0: Welcome to Hence the Future podcast, I'm Justin Clark and I'm Matamor Cronin and today we're talking about the future of privacy and security and to start off Matamor why is this such an important topic right now?
1: So the reason why privacy and security is so important right now is because data is currently the most valuable resource in the world so it used to be oil Now it's data, in the future it might become water, but for now data is the single greatest determining factor of the success of a company. So all of the big tech companies that we talked about two episodes ago, none of them would be anywhere without the big data that they collect and put to good use. Like just take Amazon for instance. What makes them great is not that they sell books or that they have lots of inventory. What makes them great is the personalized recommendations that they're able to give to you and always knowing and anticipating what you want. Same thing for Netflix, same thing for Facebook. It all comes down to which companies can collect and use data to their best possible advantage. So before we get into the worst case, best case, and most likely scenario, First, let's look at what the status quo is. What is the lay of the land right now for privacy and security? And the way I look at it, you can see it as a spectrum. On the one side, you have countries that are doing a really good job like Iceland. And on the other side of the spectrum, you have North Korea, where the people have (laughs) pretty much no idea what's actually going on in the world. And then in the middle, you have the U.S. to the right of Iceland and then China which is not as bad <laughs> as North Korea but pretty bad. I don't know if yeah. you if you heard about this but in China they are not allowing the movie Christopher Robin to be released. Seriously? With Winnie the Pooh? And the only what? So the only reason is because of a meme that came out sometime during Obama's presidency where it was President Xi of China and President Obama were walking together. And someone posted a meme of Pooh Bear and Tigger from Winnie the Pooh, <laughs> with President Xi being Pooh Bear and Obama being Tigger. And it got shared all over Weibo, which is China's social media network. Oh and my gosh. It, within minutes, it got banned. You can no longer search for Winnie the Pooh. You can no longer find those images in search engine image results. Right. And now they're not even allowing the movie to be released. So... <laughs> if they are censoring something as innocuous as Winnie the Pooh then oh, that yeah. just gives you a sense of how much else they're censoring yeah
0: i mean you see that so much with with china you also see them working on big hacking um scandals so one of these one of these stories i recently saw is hackers from china just sent a bunch of well-branded cds to u.s officials in all parts of the government and if any of these government officials put the cd into the computer chinese hackers automatically had executable permissions and admin privileges on their computers so they could steal all of the data and that's that's one thing that's one thing that I think it's really important for people to know is being secure on the web isn't just making sure you have firewalls in place and using HTTPS versus HTTP. You can also be socially hacked. Hmm. And there's, there's a lot of ways people do this, but sending hardware and putting, putting weird hardware into your computer is almost always a bad idea.
1: That's, that's like that episode of Mr. Robot where Darlene drops all of those USB drives
0: yep. by the FBI. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's amazing. I mean, that, that kind of also reminds me of the movie The Italian Job where they're talking about, oh, the security system is unbreakable. No one's ever been able to break it. And one of the guys looks at the screen and says, I, see three pla- I say three ways we can get in right here. And he points at the three people. Because human beings are fallible, right? And you can yeah. trick human beings. So eventually, in the Italian job, they have basically the the hot girl of the crew go in, get on a date, and then, you know, go through that route <laughs> because people are human beings; they're fallible, and so social hacking is is very real, right? And, and then
0: there is also this um, new EU EU law that really helps protect the privacy of all the users. So that's on the, the better end of the spectrum near Iceland. Right. Um, and the US has some privacy laws in place. I mean, we're, it's not like we're in the worst place in the world, but it could be a lot better.
1: Yeah. To me, it's, it's all about what you're optimizing for. And in mm-hmm. the US, we are clearly optimizing for profits right? So it's it's so capitalistic that we almost don't care what happens so long as our GDP keeps rising and we stay on top. So, you know, it could be worse because when you're optimizing for profits, Mm -hmm. that's going to take into account people getting annoyed with with your data violations. And, you know, you're seeing that with Facebook. They are finally now putting in some safeguards and preventing another Cambridge Analytica scandal. Mm -hmm. But they're only doing that because it helps their bottom line. Whereas if you look at China, they're optimizing for government control. And that's a worse, that's even worse than optimizing for profits. But then somewhere in Iceland, they're optimizing for the well-being of their people. At least that's what they're trying to do.
0: Right. And it it can't, it's probably not going to fully reach that. I'm sure the the situation where you're talking about something to your friend some brand and then a couple hours later you see an advertisement oh, for that same brand i'm sure that same still happen all over the world but in iceland hopefully they don't have as much access to the really personal data
1: yeah so one one interesting topic that I think we should discuss is the situation with Apple and the FBI and about Apple preventing the FBI from getting into the iPhone so that they could have the necessary evidence to convict someone who had done something terrible, committed a grievous offense against the Mm -hmm. state. And you can see the argument on the side of giving over that data. Sam Harris makes a really good argument where he says, there is no other place No other situation in the real world where you can lock up a box of all your information, all your murder weapons, any evidence you have, all of the crimes Mm -hmm. you've committed, all the documents, there's no way you can lock up a box in your house and the government will not be able to get that no matter what court order they have and what sort of reason they have based Mm -hmm. on crimes that they have a reason to believe you committed. So that's a very good argument. On the flip side, another Sam Harris quote is he says, people are treating their iPhones as part of their minds that they don't want read. And I think that really gets at the privacy and security issue of our time where Mm -hmm. it's, it's almost like the tertiary layer that Elon Musk talks about with AI where you have your reptilian self, your mammalian yeah. human self, and then on top of that you have your digital self where you can reference Google and Wikipedia or whatever else. Right. That is already a part of us. We're already cyborgs. So when people think that they might have their iPhone information read, which is basically like part of their mind, they get very upset about that. And you can see right. why this scenario is different than anything else we've experienced in the past.
0: Yeah, and it's also nice that Apple actually went to bat for their customer. Yeah, and and that's that's something that really instills trust in a company. And and this kind of brings up a philosophical issue: is it really that big of a deal if Apple or Google have your data? Because I know sometimes I would rather see ads that are actually relevant to me mm-hmm. than some stupid kid's toy or something else that is totally irrelevant and if i'm minimizing my digital footprint then everything that i see is completely untargeted but at the same time they have all of this data about me and it's it's a question that people need to ask themselves what
1: right you're weighing convenience against safety and feeling good yeah I mean, I trust Apple more than I trust Google or Facebook, for instance, just based Mm -hmm. on their company culture and their mission. I mean, Google, Mm -hmm. this just came out two days ago. Google is now planning to launch a version of their search engine in China, which is going to be censored. And there was one really good quote about it on Twitter where someone said, the world's biggest search engine obeying the censorship rules of China's government is a win for the Chinese government. It shows that no one's willing to stand up to their censorship anymore. So certain, it's not just like, how do you feel about private companies having your data? I think a lot of it's about how do you feel about specific companies having your data and what are their values? And then ultimately, like we talk about with AI, whichever one or ones reach the the high level of having artificial super intelligence that's Mm -hmm. gonna vary uh, that's gonna be really important is what their values are and you know again what what we're optimizing for
0: yeah and one of the cool things recently about these companies collecting data is they're actually listening to their customer and making sure that there are some privacy precautions in place so for example Apple is releasing some version of iOS that's going to track users a lot more closely, but at the same time, they want users to feel like their data is safe with Apple. Mm -hmm. And what they're doing is they're using this method called differential privacy. And basically that means that they have a database that... Can tell you overall statistical trends, but you don't have any personally identifiable information. Right. That's so one you of can't the... actually look at these that yeah. the data and get information about a individual user.
1: That's been Facebook's solution as well. They have stopped giving you individual information, and they've actually stopped giving you the. Estimated audience size, which doesn't seem that personal, but they're Mm. slowly deciding which information they're going to let you have. And it tends to be those broad trends where you're like, okay, I want to target people who like tech. But beyond that, you can't get down to the level of I mean, with Cambridge Analytica, they were doing psychographic profiling on a level that was Mm -hmm. just not palatable to any consumer who heard about it. I mean, they are basically able to assess your personality traits where your mind is at also your political affiliations where you are geographically and then use all that information to sway some key elections in swing states yeah and that's that's huge i mean that's and that's just like the tip of the iceberg as far as what you can do because right that's just swaying people via ads but if you talk about some of this really cool future technology like mind reading technology <laughs> and just knowing everything about you all in one centralized database. So rather than having some of your data in Google, some of it in Apple, some of it that the IRS has, imagine if all of that data is in one place, they would know you better than you know yourself possibly.
0: Yeah, that's that's actually kind of crazy to think about. and. Mind-reading technology seems like it's far out because in one sense it is. I mean, reading the exact thoughts of people is way far out there. But if you have a timeline of how you interact online, they can basically come up with a coherent picture of who you are and can essentially read what you might be doing in the future and well not cool o- not things- only that okay. they can
1: actually read they can actually read your minds in a a pr- you know primitive sense compared to what we can do eventually but did you see that mit invention like the that- eeg
0: machines yes yeah, so you have to hook up to some machine
1: No, no, no. This is even more portable than that. This MIT guy, I saw this article on Medium that got published recently by MIT Labs. And Mm -hmm. this guy walks around with this, it looks almost like a headset that people have, like a Bluetooth headset that's only on one side. But it actually, through bone conduction, it will transmit audio to you that's useful information just like Siri would, based on your thoughts And it reads your electrical brain pulses through this machine and then transmits the audio through bone conduction. So you hear it without any actual audio being emitted. And there's a video of this guy walking around Manhattan, or it might be San Francisco. And he's walking around and he thinks, time. And then he hears the voice, it is 10.35 a.m. And he's walking around the supermarket and he looks at items on the shelf and he thinks of the prices and then it adds them up. And it's like your total is twelve dollars (laughs) and seventy three cents. And he can do all of these things. And it's you know, it's it's not as advanced as what you can do with just voice technology right now. But the fact that they're already that good at reading thoughts and giving you feedback is just a. A harbinger of what's going to come where imagine if you can read people's thoughts at a distance, which is not a crazy thing to imagine we might be able to achieve. And you might not even know your thoughts are being read. And as they map out with AI and deep learning, which thoughts are associated with which words and images, and they map that out to the fullest extent with only a small margin of error based on you know personal experiences or individual quirks or whatever, then you're not going to have much, much freedom. And they, that brings the question, like, in the U.S. right now, you can take the fifth, meaning you can, you can state that I am not going to be compelled to testify against myself, right? You can't force someone who's on trial to testify against themselves. That's against the U.S. Constitution. But in the future, if cops, interrogators, FBI, if they can read your thoughts... I don't know if we're still going to have the Fifth Amendment or if they'll obey it or if they'll get around it or pretend like they're going along with it, but then turn around and convict you using other evidence now that they know your thoughts.
0: Yeah, that kind of reminds me of the Black Mirror episode where you have those detectives where you hook up to some little machine and then they can actually replay your memories.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's actually kind of, that's a scary thought.
1: Right. But even that, the person has to agree to it, and it's like right up there. The thing that's the scariest in my mind is just imagine you're walking around, and just like people can listen in at a distance with those spy listening devices, or cop cars have them now too, actually, and they have heat Mm -hmm. sensors and whatever else. Imagine if just another thing they have in their their, quiver is mind reading geez
0: yeah the the interesting thing about that though would be (laughs) what would it be like to actually hear the inner dialogue of somebody i imagine it would just sound like a crazy person even if you were looking at a completely sane individual
1: right well that's why it's a neural net problem just
0: go on repeat and you're just in a in a little loop in your mind but, but even if it's nonsensical,
1: even if it's nonsensical, you know, if there's a hostage situation and the cops are reading the criminal's mind and he's thinking, run, 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 then they're going to be like, all right, he's about to he's about to take flight. Or if he's thinking just like angry thoughts or murderous thoughts, they're like, OK, we got to get in there now versus if he's thinking more calm thoughts and doing math- mathematics in his head, they're like, OK it seems like he's probably complying and he's going to come out and agree to
0: the, the terms. So, yeah. Although your, your state of mind is probably messed up anyways, if you're being confronted by police. I know with me, I've gotten pulled over for being, you know, it it was basically they were looking for somebody else in a similar car as yeah. me. Yeah. And, um, when I got pulled over and was just being falsely accused of something, I've there have been very few times I've been more stressed right. because I know that I didn't have any power. So even if you were reading somebody's mind in that situation, it seems like the data itself would be really messed up.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. But I also think just the longer we... The longer time goes on and the more we develop machine learning and AI. I agree, a human won't be able to make sense of that data. But I think with that's enough true. time and enough data, a machine will be able to stitch together some sort of story based on what you're trying to find out.
0: Yeah. But that's why, yeah, I I mean,
1: so. that's why I love that Sam Harris, his, his uh, master value is what he calls it, is free will or free thought. And the reason that's his master value is because that is the only means by which we can reliably self-correct for our errors. So if as a society, you know, we're always struggling and making progress and having setbacks, that's why we have multiple parties, that's why people have different beliefs, and the only way we can make any progress is by freely talking about these issues and figuring out where our disagreements are, weighing the pros and the cons. And so by having free will as a master value and free thought, we allow for that self-course correction. Whereas if we start banning people from talking about certain things, then we're going to stop making progress in those areas.
0: Yeah. I mean, we don't, we don't want to get to the point where people can commit thought crimes. Right. And... Yeah, there's. so what do you think about the situation of big companies collecting your data to make your life better, like Amazon is collecting your data to give you better recommendations?
1: Yeah, so there certainly is, bless you, there certainly is value in that, I mean it's super convenient to have all of your data, I mean think about any situation like Uber for example, unless you share your location information, your co- your contact number, your credit card, your ride history, unless you share all that information, you're not going to be able to benefit by instantly summoning a car to you. So those are some of the benefits we have right now in the future, and this this kind of gets into a little bit more of a, the best case scenario, but I won't, you know, we, I won't talk too much about it right now, but I imagine a future where everyone is essentially a god or everyone who has enough resources in the bank is essentially a god. Meaning... What
0: what do you mean by that?
1: So imagine you're walking down the street or you're, you're walking in the desert in Joshua Tree and you think to yourself, oh man, I could really go for a snow cone. And so you just think I want snow cone and it materializes out of nothingness. You know, in reality it's 3D printed by nanobots and you look <laughs> yeah. and your little uh, you know your, your little digital wallet is just subtracted by the amount that it costs to get a snow cone. And if you're feeling crazy, maybe you'll say, hey, I, wanna, I want a hoverboard. The hoverboard will materialize. Like pretty much whatever you want, you can just think it into existence so long as you have enough resources in your bank. But the only way that sort of reality could become possible is if you're willing to share all of your data with the system. Like, unless you share your banking information, your location, all the relevant information that's associated with that, like from all the different companies that may provide the molecules that bring this into existence, you're mm-hmm. not going to be able to have the benefits. So that's, that's like the good side of it. The bad side is obviously limiting your freedom, limiting your thought, and really li- I mean really limiting your free will, because if you're yeah. if you're not able to well, l- let's go into the worst case, best case and most likely, because I feel like we're starting to get in there. So what do you think is the worst case scenario for the future of privacy and security?
0: Oh, this could go a lot of different ways, kind of touching on what you were saying, if a company has so much of your data, that they can basically sway you to make any decision they want you to make. Basically, every second of the day, you're getting a little subliminal message nudging you in certain directions. And if we're in a world where that's the case, there is no free will. Right. And, and well, I really... it's like you, have,
1: you pretty much have two choices. It's like either you can be a good, obedient citizen of Big Brother, or <laughs> you can go to jail for the rest of your life. That's your free will.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I don't like that scenario at all. But there's, there are some other bad scenarios where we have maybe the U.S. is on the front lines when it comes to defending their citizens in the future and but we still have countries that are trying to hack everybody and extract information even if it's not legal Um, i think that is another bad situation because when when things are extremely secure let's say let's say someone's thoughts can be read but there are a lot of protections in place and you can't read thoughts remotely
1: right like you need a court order for
0: basically yeah if there are bad actors they might kidnap people to read their minds or they might kidnap people and uh, or their friends or something you know to to extract information going back to really old school interrogation techniques and this would all be social hacking but it's still it's still a case where bad things can happen and i don't know it seems like yeah. there are endless possible bad scenarios when it comes to
1: yeah, that that's <laughs> that seems more like the most likely scenario for <laughs> as i see it The worst case scenario that I see is like China, but worse. North Korea, but worse. Meaning already, and I I don't mean to keep picking on China. I love the Chinese people. It's mostly just their government policies that I very much do not agree with. But already in China, Mm -hmm. and this goes back to another Black Mirror episode, there is a rating system whereby it's called the social credit system.
0: Oh, yeah. Have you heard about this? Yeah.
1: So basically, this is exactly like that episode of Black Mirror where you rate everyone for everything, and it has very real-world implications. So It's basically your currency. Yeah, so imagine you get a rating, let's say out of 100, you have a rating of 80% or whatever it is, and the, the factors that go into that rating are everything from do you pay your bills on time to how often do you visit your elderly parents, to how good of a sportsman are you while playing video games. Like this is literally, I watched this video, that is one of the factors that they take into account. So if you're like oh. one of those like quote unquote campers that just like, you know, waits in a <laughs> little area and like shoots people online and like Call of Duty, that would, that would hurt your score in China. <laughs> I mean, it's insane. I mean, the the types of factors, and they keep it very vague purposefully. So you don't know really what's going into your score, and you don't know how much your score could go down, even by just a small infraction. And so by by the end, if your score falls below a certain threshold, you are not allowed to fly anywhere. You cannot leave the country. You won't be able to get loans. So this is already something that exists in China. They also have A surveillance system called Sharp Eyes, which is sort of what we touched on earlier, where they aggregate all the social media data, which is state-owned, Baidu,
0: or sorry,
1: Weibo, and all the search engine data, which is Baidu, state-owned again, all of your geographic data through facial recognition, and the, I think it was something like 17 million surveillance cameras they have oh no no sorry it's it's uh yeah something like 17 million and there's already seven million chinese people who are not allowed to book to book a flight because their rating score is too low so holy my my worst case scenario is imagine china but with the additional ability of being able to read people's thoughts And by reading people's thoughts, it's not just about what you do, it's about what you think. And if people think in a way that is not in line with what the state's agenda is, they can reprogram your brain to make you more obedient. Sort of like in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest.
0: This is basically exactly 1984. 1984 (laughs) but worse because
1: you can't read thoughts in 1984 it was just like the the tv is always watching 1984 is like now in north korea or now in china the worst case scenario that i see is that with the additional technology of being able to hack people and their behaviors Mm -hmm. reprogram their minds if you don't like their thoughts and obviously also being able to read their their thoughts and their inner feelings i think that's the
0: worst and the thing about the thought reading is it doesn't even have to be remote mind reading. If it's something where it's a, an invasive procedure, that's almost worse because then people have to be kidnapped and Oh, yeah.
1: And that happens all the taken time. In. Did,
0: did you hear about yeah. that?
1: This is another story that happened just a week ago. So there was an American journalist who was in China and she happened to witness an explosion near an embassy. Some other Chinese citizen, a middle-aged female woman, was filming the explosion, and immediately after she was filming it, or actually while she was filming it, three plainclothes people, who seemed to be police, took her forcibly and threw her into a car while she was screaming, I don't know them, help, help, I've done nothing wrong, help, I don't know them. And so the American journalist follows this car, thinking like, what the hell is going on? Follows them and says like, hey, what are you doing with that woman? What is this? And they say, it's a family matter. And apparently that's like a common excuse where they... They don't, they don't want people to know that the state police are, like, always watching you and enforcing things. So they try to pretend, like, oh, this is just some family situation.
0: Oh, wow. But that's
1: already super widespread in China.
0: where Yeah, that's terrifying.
1: Yeah. And, and there's no getting away. It's like, you know, it's like in Minority Report. They know where you are, everywhere you are, all of your advertising, everything is personalized for you. So you have no chance of, of, of getting away. And and it's that's why the biggest factor, I think, in the future of privacy and security is, well, two. One is, can we uphold our democracy? Mm-hmm. And the second is, will AI be programmed such that it's optimized for something that's beneficial for humanity, preferably to maximize human freedom? Right. We talked about that and, on the intelligence about maximizing human freedom.
0: Mm-hmm. And one of the other things that people are working on to increase the um, freedom of people is blockchain technologies. And there's, I mean, there are huge debates whether cryptocurrencies themselves will be viable in the future, or whether it's just a blockchain thing. But that's another area people are moving to because it's a decentralized system where you don't have to trust any third party. So if you want to make a transaction or some sort of contract with somebody, you don't have to you don't need any sort of intermediary. You just directly work with the other person. And it's you don't even have to trust the other person because it's all run by math rather than some bureaucratic or agendas. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's that's kind of where I was going with my best case scenario. So the best case scenario is just that. You own your data, you can decide who you want to share your data with. And the only Or sell
0: it to would or be sell ideal. it to.
1: Oh yeah. There was an article about this guy who sold his last name to a company for like a hundred so thousand dollars. <laughs> It's like and you know there's that guy who like sells space on his face for tattoos. Mm-hmm. But, you know, anyways, for you to be able to decide what to do with your data, that's the most important thing. And yeah. if we do this the right way and we set it up in the right way and we have a strong democracy and the either you know, the AI whether it's controlled by the government or by a private company or by something like the UN whoever controls, whatever controls that AI, if it's optimizing for human freedom and flourishing, then that would be the best case scenario. And by using the power of big data for good, we would have the scenario where you essentially become a god, like I was talking about earlier. Because, (laughs) Yeah. yeah, it's and by combining all of human data, all of human knowledge and experiences it has a t- tremendous benefits for everyone for future generations for flourishing so we want to be able to share data with others we just want to be able to control it so that we don't feel like we're our rights are being infringed upon
0: right yeah and bringing up ai kind of makes me think of another issue when it comes to security in ai because even if even if all of your data that you give to a company is something that you care about, these AIs still won't necessarily perform well. They still have security vulnerabilities. So Hmm. let's take self-driving cars, for example. Have you ever heard of adversarial examples, like feeding bad input to uh, an AI? No. Basically you can feed in let's say it's an image recognition ai if you feed it there's there's a popular example where it's a state-of-the-art image classification algorithm and you, you can perturb the inputs in a way where it looks like you're just feeding it a static image with you know pixely static everywhere and if you perturb these inputs in the right way it can say with 99 percent confidence that what it's looking at is an elephant or something else Mm -hmm. you can give it just complete garbage information and it thinks that it's something else and the security risk here is imagine you're in a self-driving car There's inputs given to it that recognize a stop sign. Sorry, could you say that could you say that
1: last last part again? Because you got cut out. So if you're if you're in a self-driving car. Okay. Or the security risk was where you started
0: to cut out. It still Dang. is pretty choppy. <clears throat> okay. So imagine you're in a self-driving car and some bad some adversarial example is given to the images the image recognition software where it doesn't accurately classify a stop sign or a stoplight or brake lights. it can that can cause havoc on the roads when right. it shouldn't have and and this this kind of transcends the whole issue of personal data. Like, we still, we still need to make sure the AIs themselves are safe. Right, right. And, and there's, there are a lot of researchers that are focusing on this issue, but it's just something to keep in mind, that even though <clears throat> AI is really good in most cases, they can still be toyed with.
1: Right. Yeah, no, I agree. So, so let's talk about the most likely scenario. Given, given what is like could happen with AI, I mean, based on what you were just saying, it seems like there is the period of time before we've achieved artificial superintelligence that's the most vulnerable for AI, where there is no one dominant machine intelligence system. There are many competing systems. And because of that, there are systems that are able to infiltrate others and potentially for nefarious reasons. So how do you see, in the most likely case, privacy and security playing out over,
0: let's say, the next 20 years? So I imagine kind of kind of how things tend to go is that there will be a push to the extremes. I think there will be some countries like... Iceland and the European Union and the US that are going to be extremely helpful to maintaining the privacy of customers. <clears throat> but I think there are also going to be company or countries like China that get worse and that moves hmm. towards your what you described as the worst case.
1: Right? Well, the other, the other key factor as it relates to democratic societies versus fascist societies and communistic societies is that it's very possible that in the, the near term or you know, the long term for sure, but possibly also in the medium term, Yuval Noah Harari believes that a centralized government is going to be more efficient than a democratized government and there's it's easy to see why that would be the case. I mean, look at how slow the bureaucracy of America moves, and oh then think God. about how quickly amazon's algorithms uh, you know manage logistics all over the country in real oh, yeah. time within two hours within an hour. I can get pretty much anything I would need in a day in a normal day delivered to me mm. instantly, so you can imagine the benefit of 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 some country like China having all of the data centralized in one place and having all control to make any decisions, social, political, economical, where, you know, while the US is threatened by jobs and automation, like we talked about in an earlier episode, China is not threatened in the same way because they can simply force the companies to continue employing all the people that they had been employing in the past simply because it works better for their economy. And so I I think, uh, unfortunately, what I believe the most likely scenario is is that we are gonna move away from a decentralized form of governance and we are instead gonna move towards a centralized form of governance, whatever that means. Mm -hmm.
0: And... You mean country by country is centralized kind of how it is now, or?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's hard to say when this is going to happen, but I believe that, let's say, like, 100 years from now. For sure, I think that 100 years from now, the government is going to be governed by an algorithm with some human inputs, and everyone's going to give over all of their data. You're not going to really have much choice. But the algorithm is not necessarily malevolent. It could be a very good algorithm that's it could be a algorithm that's optimizing for profits, like sort of like what we have right now. Or it could be something that's a little bit better than that, which is optimizing for profits, but also taking into account human well-being and, you know, the overall health and happiness of its citizens. Or it could mm-hmm. be something that's like a little bit worse, where it's optimizing for profits, but also state control and not having lots of uprisings. So I imagine it's yeah. gonna be something like that and everyone's gonna have all their data exposed pretty much all the time, unless you happen to be, let's say, in your apartment where you have a Faraday cage that blocks <laughs> yeah. all signals. And you know there will be some some ways that you can get out data, but if you're walking on the street, I think all bets are off. And that's to me, that's the most likely scenario is everyone gives over all their data. We have a centralized form of gover- government but and your data is exposed whenever you're in public but it's not necessarily that the algorithm itself is bad it might be optimizing for something that's the same as what we're seeing now or a little better or a little
0: worse yeah see i don't i don't know if we're ever going to get to the point where well okay i won't say never but i i think it'll be a while if ever that All of our data is exposed constantly. I see a lot of trends that point towards a decentralized approach. And I know blockchain is one of the big things on this front for making a decentralized sort of governance. I don't necessarily think that that will be the end all be all, but it'll still be, there Will there are still enough trends in place that I think people can remain anonymous if they want to remain anonymous. Um,
1: but what does that mean, though? Because
0: we're not even anonymous now. Well, most people aren't. There are some people that are basically anonymous.
1: You mean people who and live off the
0: grid and well their own water you don't even have well to live and... off the grid to be anonymous you can you can use things like vpns that completely mask your online traffic you can also wear or use certain types of wallets that don't allow people to read your card information and i know the the new chips on credit cards and debit cards kind of combat that as well Um, but there, there are just a lot of things being created that help protect personal privacy. Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah. I think the big factor is going to be whether that leads to a more robust society that is more buffered against totalitarianism or anything mm -hmm. else like that versus if a totalitarian state like China is more is able to uh, you know grow and flourish more because of how efficient it is in being able to have all decision making power.
0: Yeah. I just think there I think that'll happen in some parts of the world but if anything like that was beginning to happen in the US, I think there would be such a huge backlash that it wouldn't actually take hold. Hm. Maybe I have yeah. too much confidence in in I mean, in the the, citizens here, right?
1: No, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I'm not as optimistic as that. (laughs) Yeah, I do think that in the long, long, long term, it's going to be one global society. I mean, that's that's something that historians always say is that we've been so fragmented starting out where we're all nomads that you basically just know your family members and like whoever your mate is and that's pretty much right. it and over time we're creating nation states and then the nation states are creating um you know collective groups like the united nations and eventually in the long term it's just going to be earth there's going to be one flag and it's going to be the planet earth flag and in that society it's hard for me to imagine that society working without all data pretty much being open and maybe right. people at that point have reached some level of enlightenment through either just their experiences or through genetic engineering or whatever but maybe at that point they're not going to there's going to be no real incentive to commit crime because imagine if you already have everything you could want in life or, you know, everything you would need as your basics through universal basic income. And you know that if you commit any crime whatsoever, the odds of you getting away with it are basically zero. Then we might live in a society that is very much looks like a utopia where we're all global citizens. Everyone knows they can't really commit a crime. So no one really even tries to do it. And if they do commit a crime, then it's treated more as, a psychological sickness than them being an evil person inherently. Yeah. So they
0: go into rehab rather than being incarcerated.
1: Right. And it does get a little tricky if you think, okay, well, if this person can take a pill and become a normal human being, then that seems fine. But if you have to go in and tweak some of the wiring in their brain, that's a little less palatable. But I can't imagine a global society that doesn't have access to all data just because of the security implications. Like it, it seems crazy to allow some anonymous actors to run around with the possibility of being able to hurt other citizens without tracking them just based on the trends that we're seeing now.
0: Yeah. Do you see what do you see as the biggest technological breakthroughs that will make or break privacy and security?
1: Yeah, so I think it, I think really it, a, a lot of it comes down to the value function of the AI that becomes the super-intelligent AI that's dominant.
0: Our overlord. Right, our, right. Our intelligent overlord. Our benevolent
1: dictator. Because, <laughs> yeah. yeah, if they're optimizing for happiness and freedom, then we're set. If they're optimizing for profits, then it kind of sucks, but it could be worse. If they're optimizing for control and controlling your thoughts your actions making sure you're obedient and you have posters of the supreme leader looking at you staring down at you with their eyes judgmental watching eyes mm-hmm. that you know obviously that's terrible and, and they, yeah. they, they actually did a um, i've been reading this book recently called thinking fast and slow by daniel kahneman oh, yeah. it's like this very seminal work and yep. one of the examples they gave is they had some you know, at some small company, they have like a feedback box and they also have uh, donations next to it. And they did one, for one month, they had a picture of flowers over that. And then the next month, they had a picture of eyes that sort of looked like it was watching you. And when they had the picture of eyes, people gave much less negative feedback and they donated more because it was almost like, "Oh shit, I'm being watched wow, that's which is why, in every authoritarian regime, you see posters of whoever the supreme leader is or our dear leader uh-huh. everywhere because it just it it- it's it, psychologically it's very powerful wow. so it's it's tempting to go that route I mean, if you're someone like Paul Manafort who just doesn't give a shit and you just want power and money and you really don't care about anything else then you know yeah that's very uh, attractive power to have yeah so maybe maybe now we should talk about what we as human beings can do to create the best possible future for ourselves and for the whole global community so do you have any tips maybe you have some some technical tips about how to how to keep your data yeah. more private.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's there are several things that I think will affect your privacy and your security. Um, the, I mean, just to go over a quick list: never buy something from a site that doesn't have HTTPS rather yeah. than HTTP, because when When a site only has HTTP, that means that the data that's being sent from your browser to the web server is not encrypted. And that Mm. means somebody somewhere can be listening or they can tap into that information and they can get all your credit card information and maybe they even get a password that helps them log into your computer, get all your... Personal information, and that kind of leads me to the second one. The second tip is you can't have the same passwords on all of your different sites and all your different logins. Because, or, you know, the other thing is don't use really simple things like your name or your kid's name or your parents' name. Right. One, two, three, or your birth date or, you know, something like that because hackers have algorithms that basically run through all of these likely scenarios right. and it works a lot of the time. And right, the more you information- typically have
1: 10 attempts and you know, with those 10 attempts you can hit all of the major combinations that people have and that'll get you like, I don't know, 10% of the population probably has a password that's that hackable.
0: Yeah, and and not only <clears throat> do they have a single password that, that that is that hackable, but everything they log into has the same password.
1: So what's your opinion on pass encrypted password managers like for instance I use LastPass where it it claims to have double encryption, so encryption on both sides, and I have one master password that I remember that's not a hackable password. And with that master password, I can get into my vault, see all my other passwords, share it with people through encryption. Do you think that's a, a safe way to manage your private information?
0: Yeah, LastPass is probably the most popular one that <clears throat> is out there, at least for third party tools. I know Dash has their own
1: yeah, a yeah, and Mac
0: has their own built in keychain. Right. Um so yeah, there's there are a lot of different services. I think LastPass is probably the most trustworthy. Um but yeah, there's there's a lot of things you can do, especially if it's a randomly generated password. Right. Right? Every that's going to be so hard for anybody to crack that you're probably fine. Yeah. The the issue is <clears throat> We don't know for sure if these LastPass-type services can't be hacked. Right. And one thing you could do is go completely non-hackable and just try to remember a bunch of different passwords. Right. A bunch of different complicated passwords.
1: It's like Mr. Um, Robot, how he has the... The uh, entire binder full of different CDs, and <laughs> yeah. there's like Rolling Stones, Pink Floyd, but he remembers which rock star is associated with which data files that is yeah. uh, information is on that CD. So that's, I mean, that's I think going a little far for what most people, unless you're a person of interest who very well may be hacked. Like, let's say you're a diplomat, mm-hmm. or if you're Mark Zuckerberg, or you know, someone else. Yeah. Um, the other tip I would, I would say is be very careful about what you download, the hardware and software that you put on your computer, similar to what we were talking about earlier. Don't just pick up some USB drive and stick it into your computer to find out what's on there. Likewise, don't just download something that you think, oh, maybe this is it. Maybe this is not what I'm looking for. Like my mom just had this happen to her a couple weeks ago where she was on some photo site. She's a photographer and she wanted to download some photo template or something like that. But she got it through basically a phishing scheme where it was like an email that was very similar to what she had just been like searching for on the web. Mm. And so she downloaded it. And apparently it was a very, uh, it was a very sophisticated um, virus that, Actually, Ezra had to debug her entire computer and like wipe the hard drive clean and put all the information on another hard drive that was then quarantined, because if that had been put into the the computer after it had been wiped, it would have just been reinstalled. And Ezra, because he's a damn smart computer scientist, (laughs) he was able to see that whatever she had downloaded was constantly sending packets and trying to uh, and and sending requests for inf- for password information and for email information and and so yeah it's it's uh just be careful what you download be careful what hardware you stick into your computer be careful what your password is use a password manager if you can and then the, the other tip I, I have uh, um but I'll let you have the final word the other tip I have is do whatever is in your power to promote democracy and freedom. Free choice, free thought, free will. I don't mean free choice in the abortion sense, I just mean it in the very general sense <laughs> of all choices that you could possibly make. When in doubt, opt for more freedom, not less freedom. Even if you're, you, know, you might offend some people or maybe it makes some people feel bad, it's much worse to limit our freedoms because the alternative is China, North Korea, these societies where you have basically no freedom.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that.
1: So anything else on your end? Any final tips before we, before we move on?
0: Yeah. So kind of what I was just talking about were things to remain secure. Um, that's secure from hackers but there are also some things that you can do to remain completely anonymous in the sense that nobody gets your data your personally identifiable data and there's a there's a few things here that that are really big the first is when you use the web use a VPN or a virtual private network there's usually a cost associated with this, and not everybody needs to do this. I rarely use a VPN. Um, In what ever. situations
1: would you would you use it?
0: Well, so it it depends on what you're looking for. Because let's say let's say you wanted to do some research about an illegal substance, right. you your computer can be flagged if you're searching some terms that might be deemed illegal by the government like and, the anarchist you
1: know, like i remember my good friend hunter when he was like we were like 12 and his friend told him about the anarchist cookbook and we both sort of fashioned ourselves young anarchists <laughs> at the time and so we, he downloaded it and immediately he got a flag that popped up that says your computer has been flagged by the by the Federal Bureau of Investigation for yeah. downloading this file. So, yeah, yes.
0: so, <laughs> in it's, those situations. Because not, not everybody that uses a VPN is doing bad things. But just for being curious, you can get flags raised on you. And that's that's one of the times you would want to use a VPN. Right, And that basically what it does is it scrambles your real ip address so is that different than tor than a tor browser um so they kind of work the same way the vpn just relates to your entire online presence what in the tor browser is like safari but it's it does a similar thing
1: yeah yeah, um, I, I just then, use a Tor I just downloaded Tor browser. Anyone can download it super easy. And if you are looking up some things that you're curious about but which might raise a red flag, I just use that and that's that's pretty much been my my solution. Yeah.
0: And the Tor browser is how you access the dark web too. I mean not to go right. too too deep. We'll into we'll that. do an I episode about really- the
1: dark web. I think we
0: should. Yeah, there's some interesting things, but it's and kind there are of some a...
1: legitimate reasons for the dark web as well. Yeah, like, like for for instance, for protecting journalists' anonymity, it with very sensitive cases. Oftentimes, that'll be done through the dark web because people aren't able to track it. It's like deep throat in yeah. the Nixon. I mean, not, that was before the dark web, but you can imagine some situation like that now where it is for the greater good, but because the controlling powers do not want that conversation to be had they'll do everything they can to prevent it even though it is for for good
0: yeah and then on the other hand you also have websites like the silk road which in one sense i mean sure you can buy you can probably buy some weed on there okay fine it's that's not a big deal but i believe there are also either parts of Silk Road or maybe there are other sites. I'm not sure because I've never needed one. But you can get assassins or you can oh, yeah. get well, some that's, really, really dark stuff. Well, the founder and of the kind of Silk Road, place.
1: I forget his name. Do you remember his name? It was oh, it was, I know it was you're Pirate. I uh, know. It was, what was it? Like Pirate. Oh, what's his name? There's, Dread, there's pi- pirate, Dread pirate Roberts or something.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Um, wait here I want to just look, look it up I think it's <laughs> Dread It's a Princess um, Princess Bride Reference Let's see Dread Pirate Roberts That's his Dread name Dread Pirate Roberts So that was the Ross Ulbricht Is his real name He went by De- uh, Dread Pirate Roberts Which is basically The guy from Princess Bride You know the guy Who's like Looks kind of like Zorro And that's why he... That was was really where he got pinned the worst for what he did in founding the Silk Road was because on Mm -hmm. several occasions he had hired assassins to basically go and kill people who owed him hundreds of thousands
0: or millions of dollars. Yeah, that's a really dark story, but also a really interesting story.
1: Right, well, because the whole mission... Originally, it was for democratization and all of these high-minded yeah,
0: decentralization. ideas.
1: But then the reality is a lot of people were using it just for drugs and hitmen and prostitutes and child porn and yeah. terrible stuff.
0: What do you think about stuff like blockchain technologies? It's sort of related to this whole decentralized concept. Yeah. Well... The one thing I
1: thought about, um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember what it was exactly, but there was some. I I think the term was like homophonic or something, like something about like, it was like homo something encryption, and basically what it is is, no one ever actually has access to your data. They are simply able to make the transaction on the mathematical level without them actually receiving what the data is so imagine if you can just walk around and make any sort of transactions that you would want to make but without them actually like entering in your credit card information there's basically just a handshake that takes place similar to the handshake that takes place on the blockchain where it's not like the information is stored it's more like they just like they confirm that this is the right key for what it's trying to do, right? So I think that is uh, that's something that could be very good if that if that trend develops, where you always have your data is always sta- is always safe, but where you can make any transactions and it's done through AI without or through blockchain without. Any, right. any worry of having the data actually go to those people. Like the days, I think, of actually saying your credit card number over the phone to make a purchase, <laughs> I think those days are gonna be long gone, even in five mm-hmm. years.
0: Yeah, Yeah that, it's really interesting to think of it from a transaction perspective. And the only thing that holds me back with blockchain stuff is cryptocurrencies. It just seems like there's been a huge rush to cryptocurrencies for the sole purpose of making money rather than
1: actually for, using it.
0: Yeah, using it for its purpose, which is decentralized government or decentralized organization. Yeah. And the the interesting thing is there are smart contracts particularly on the Ethereum platform But even these smart contracts, once you write the smart contract in code, it can't be undone. So it's Hmm. completely immutable and you have to get it right the first time. You can't go back and edit. And if you're a software developer and you can think of a single time you wrote code and it was right the first time, you'll know that that's almost completely infeasible. Right. Sort of Um, like how
1: your digital footprint never goes away no matter what you do, every tweet you write. That's, I think, another really interesting trend, which whenever we do the future of politics, we should talk about it. But the fact that in the future, you're going to be able to get insanely granular data on every candidate, every message they've ever written, every word they've ever spoken on their phone. Every small, you know, minor brush they've had with the law, you know, Mm -hmm. anything they've said behind people's backs, their search history, all of these things, they're all going to be accessible. And, you know, I would have said six years ago that that's going to really change the game because some people who maybe have done some bad things in the past, all of a sudden they're going to be legitimate candidates because everyone's done something bad in the past. And I actually uh-huh. think that's, you know, like, I don't know if you've heard this, but uh, pretty much every journalist has, or for every president, a journalist has asked, have you smoked marijuana? And uh, <laughs> with George Bush, George Bush, he said, I smoked, I smoked it, but I did not inhale. <laughs> and, it's, and they're like, what? Yeah. And then they asked Obama the same question. He's like, they're like did you smoke marijuana? And he says, Yes. And he said, Did you inhale? And he said, Yes, again and again. That's the point. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> super upfront. But now in the world of Donald Trump, to think that someone who's caught on tape saying, Grab them by the pussy can still be elected president is so mind blowing that I think we're far beyond like, oh wow, someone like did coke when they were in their twenties and we know about that. I mean, it's just pales in comparison. So yeah. I, I actually don't think it's going to... I think it's going to be good for society to know all the skeletons of our candidates because it's going to be more of a realist perspective of who these people are and what human nature is like. And and yeah. I, you know. And yeah.
0: It's, it's silly that we expect the people running the country to even be perfect. I mean, yeah. think about... If you think about anything you've said in the past and can't come up with one embarrassing thing that you've said and something that could be definitely construed and demonized by the general public then you know
1: then you're lying to yourself because you definitely have that yeah yeah so that I mean that's the upside of all the connected data is that it gives people just I think we're gonna get over it eventually you know it's it's uh Obviously, we don't want our freedom to be infringed upon, but so long as that's not happening and we are able to live efficient, happy lives where we have some control in the matter and the data that we give up is only for the good of ourselves and for all other people. Like, you know, just thinking of ways, for instance, if we didn't all give our location data, Ways would not be as efficient with how people I mean, that's like the classic example of just yeah. the social good that goes from sharing data. So I think there's a lot of good to be had. And I think this we just is probably, need to make
0: sure there, yeah, we just need to make sure there aren't hackers that take advantage of your data, because data can be a really powerful thing for you to give up. It's, yeah. it's good for the whole and for yourself if you give up your data. so
1: yeah yeah well I think that's a good place to put a pin in it so this has been the future of privacy and security thank you all for listening I do want to give a shout out to Connor Walden and Will Walden aka the Walden Brothers because they are the ones who created the original song and music for hence the future podcast so you're going to be hearing that right around now as we fade in and you can reach out to us on all of our social media channels you can go to our website and please 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 rate and review the podcast on itunes or wherever you listen to it and what will
0: inevitably happen